Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. The doctor told my mom, um, yeah, I'm a twin. She said, don't get attached to these kids because they're going to die, you know? And so from my very early life, my parents loved me a lot, but they never said I love you to me ever until I was in my mid twenties. <laughs> so I experienced such a, a feeling of being disconnected, a feeling of not being worthy. And I think that created this deep, deep, deep desire in me to feel that love, to feel that connection. So I started as a woman, I'm sure many women can relate. I tried to find that in relationships with men and making men kind of my oxygen, you know, and then I went on this path of connecting to love within myself. So I've been working on that for probably the past 10 years. So it's been a journey. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm so confident, yeah. you know, I love me and I love everyone. But it was, it was absolutely a big feeling of lack that started me on this, this journey for sure. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Nicole, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank yeah, you. It is really cool to have you here. You know, as uh, I was saying before, you know, I was introduced to you by way of Selena Su, who has, who has sent us a steady stream of amazing people uh, as guests. So uh, I'd expect nothing less from you. So I want to start with uh, a question that I think is really interesting, given the nature of your work. And that is, what social group were you a part of in high school? And what impact has that ended up having on your uh, work and your life? Mm, okay, so I was one of those people that I didn't have a big social network, you know, I, but I think this is kind of how I, I live now. So I was someone who was very happy having my little group of friends that I like absolutely loved them. And I felt so comfortable with these friends and we would do everything together. And we, I was really into food as a kid and we had this club, which now I'm looking at the name and it's kind of crazy, but we called ourselves like Porco's United. <laughs> We would just eat, you know, Um, but we really enjoyed it. And so I had this group of amazing friends that I really loved, but I'm, um, you know, a little bit introverted. And so I didn't really connect with a lot of other people. So it was this very small group that was very, very deep and very, very, very connected. Um, And I don't know, I think that relates to me and what I do now, because what, what I'm all about is, 
be you, be authentically you, find the people that resonate with you, find the people that love you exactly as you are without asking you to change and connect to those people. But I think the difference is, um, in high school, I think it was, I was shy, I was a little bit insecure, so part of me not connecting to other people was the sense of, maybe I'm not good enough for them, maybe they don't want to talk to me, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So I've gotten rid of that piece <laughs> a lot, but yeah. I've kept this this depth of connection in my life. How did you change that piece of, of not good enough? And uh, another question that comes from that is, you know, like, for most people, if they're not experiencing a depth of connection to make a career out of creating a depth of connection is kind of, you know, an odd paradox. So I'm curious why you think that is like, why does, why is that the reaction for some people? Like they turn it into something, you know, what on the surface appears a disadvantage into such a, a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, I will say for me, my journey started when I was, I think it really started when I was in the womb and when I was a little kid and when I was a baby, you know, I was premature. Um, the story is the doctor told my mom, um, I'm a twin. She said, don't get attached to these kids because they're going to die, you know? And so from my very early life, my parents loved me a lot, but they never said, I love you to me ever until I was in my mid (laughs) twenties. So I experienced such a, a feeling of being disconnected, a feeling of not being worthy. And I think that created this deep, deep, deep desire in me to feel that love, to feel that connection. So I started as a woman, I'm sure many women can relate. I tried to find that in relationships with men and making men kind of my oxygen, you know? And then I went on this path of connecting to love within myself. So I've been working on that for probably the past 10 years. So it's been a journey. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm so confident, (laughs) you know, I love me and I love everyone. But it was, it was absolutely a big feeling of lack that started me on this this journey for sure uh, you know if people are feeling that sense of lack in their own lives um especially in in this particular area of their life how do they how do they change it like how do they go from a place of sort of scarcity to a place of abundance mm-hmm. well one thing i recommend is to not a lot of people if they don't have the relationship they want they don't have the love that they want there they focus so much on i'm missing it here i'm missing it here i'm missing it here i'm missing it here And one of the things that got me through the feeling that I had in childhood of I was so unloved. And one thing that really healed me was I kind of looked back at all the moments in my life. And what I realized was love was always present there. For me, I feel this deep sense of God's love, universe's love, whatever you want to call it. I kind of looked back at my timeline and I saw all the places where I thought that love was lacking. I may not have been feeling it from one person in the moment, whether it was my mom or my dad, but there's love always flowing in every single moment to me. And when I saw that, I felt this deep sense that love had never been lost for me, that love was always with me. So I recommend if you're feeling a tremendous lack right now in love, just start looking for all the ways you're already loved, because then you're going to come to love relationship from the sense of love is already within me. So I deserve it. I want it from somebody else on the outside, but it's very different than I need it to survive kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I've been, um, you know, digging deep into Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Mastery of Love. And one of the things that is becoming more and more apparent to me about uh, success in relationships is that the relationship you have with yourself is, is incredibly important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I recommend I give that book to every single one of my clients. Um, and he talks about the magical kitchen um, concept, which is that, you know, if you're in this beautiful kitchen and you're cooking this beautiful meal, it's like you just want to share it with everyone else, you know, because it's it's created within you. And so I love that you're reading that book. It's, it, to me, that's one of the best relationship books of all time. So. Tell me uh, about uh, some of the early relationships that were incredibly revealing and what they revealed to you and, and kind of how they've shaped and formed your perspective on all of this. Mm -hmm. And do you mean like early childhood or do you mean like, uh, rom romantic, romantic relationships? Romantic relationships. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't have a boyfriend until I was a senior in college. <laughs> okay. Which to me felt very, very late. Well, but I never had a girlfriend even until I left college, so. <laughs> wow, <laughs> um, you got me beat there, you know? Um, but um, I met this guy and he was incredible and I fell in love. And here's what I what I always tell people is like, remember that, that feeling when you first fall in love. It's like this beautiful feeling of your heart is so open to possibility, right? And you're not thinking of what could go wrong the first time that you fall in love. You're just like, you just believe, or at least that was where I was at. I just believed. And I felt so lucky to have this person in my life because he was a really good guy and he really cared and he really treated me well. But at that time, I wasn't truly happy within myself. So we dated in college. We actually met um, the last six weeks of college and we told each other, like, we're just going to be band-aids, meaning we're going to go deep <laughs> into partnership in these six weeks and then we're going to rip the band-aid off when college ends and we'll go our separate ways and of course that didn't happen we were connected we were in love I'll never forget the first time that I heard somebody in a romantic relationship say I love you I know exactly where I was I was in you know Charlottesville South Carolina and I I just it was like this incredible moment in my life at the time of feeling like oh, I finally found it I finally found love but that quickly became dependency. And I was the kind of woman that I literally would just talk about my boyfriend all day long. That was the only thing in my life. I lived in New York City at the time. And I, I would wake up in the morning, talk to him on the phone, talk to him at lunch. I remember I couldn't even leave the subway on 86th and um, Lexington. I couldn't even leave the subway to walk from there to my apartment on, you know, 10 blocks away without calling him. Like I felt like this very real sense that I needed him so deeply. Um, so extreme codependency. And then what ended up happening was he ended up breaking up with me because I just got, I got so unhappy with myself that then I transferred that to him. And when he broke up with me, I felt as if I had been walking with crutches the whole time and somebody kicked them out from under me. I was very, 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 very deeply depressed because I thought I had lost love, you know? So that was this experience of really realizing that love can come in, but if you don't feel happy within yourself, you're not going to be able to sustain the relationship. And then from there, I dated in New York City. <laughs> I had fun experiences. I had not so fun experiences, but I kind of was carrying for a very long time this idea that nobody was going to love me like he did. And I had this incredible love and I lost it. And I felt like I might never have it again. 
Um, and then I started working on healing myself and doing all this stuff. And I attracted in someone who I thought was a soulmate. And in the beginning, the relationship went really great. When we kissed, literally, we were both shaking with there's some energy in between the two of us. And um, he was very deep into spirituality. I was very deep into starting my spiritual path. So I kind of looked up to him. And that relationship did not go well. So it was a four-year relationship, but um, he cheated on me, and then I broke up with him, and then I got back together with him. Um, so I'd never been cheated on, so that was an experience of extreme pain for me. And then we got back together, and then I started growing my career. And at the same time that I started growing my career, criticism started happening from him subtle at first and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger um, but I didn't leave because that was a pattern I inherited from my childhood that criticism actually equals love so that relationship he ended up becoming emotionally abusive and I left that relationship when I realized that love was no longer present on his end that's what it took um, for me to leave so that was an experience of really seeing all of my childhood patterns played out in someone else. And it's like my wounded inner little girl chose that relationship, right? So after that, I had to go on a healing path once again and heal and clear. But from there, I actually developed the exact dating strategy that I teach women now. I developed it through healing from him because I didn't want to be traumatized for the rest of my life with a closed heart, not attracting in great love. So um, I did a lot of things to heal. I created a whole new dating methodology that I now teach called Dating for Growth from that experience. And from him, I attracted in different relationships, different lovers, all people who helped me actually become the woman that I am now. And then I attracted in my amazing husband, Mike, who is just, he is, to me, he is love. He's just pure, pure love. Okay, so you've got, like, I have 20 questions that come from just <laughs> that part of the conversation. So, so um, you know, you, you, I, I want to start with this idea of love versus dependency. And I'm curious how you prevent, uh, you know, love from transforming into dependency. Because, um, you know, I, I think I've had relationships like that. And it's a tendency I watch with myself as well. You know, at, at moments, I'm kind of like, okay, where is that fine line between being vulnerable and coming across needy? And I, I think this is particularly challenging for men in our culture, because the last thing you ever want to be seen as is weak when you're, you know, vulnerable and it, it, in especially in a modern world like I, I can remember I spent two days uh, I think like you know with a girl that I was dating a couple months back obsessing over am I texting too much or you know, like and it drove me to the point of madness mm -hmm. and so I'm curious you know like how do you prevent um, you know whatever feelings you have from transforming into dependency yeah. Can I just say first, I love that you shared that piece, you know, because I think women don't very often understand that men are going through the same breakups too. So I just, I love that you shared that. Um, but I think dependency is this feeling of without you, I'm not going to be okay versus 
I really, you make my life a lot better. Like the truth is like, I'm dependent on my husband in a lot of ways. I have a nine month old, you know, I, I need him to help me out. But if he wasn't here, God forbid, I know at my core, I would be okay. I trust in my resourcefulness. I trust that I would get community. I would get support. I would make sure I was okay without him. And I think that's the difference. When I was in codependent relationships, I used to have the thought like no one else is going to love me if this person doesn't love me. There was this pervasive feeling of without this person, my life is going to be horrible. I'm not going to be okay. And I think if that's different from, I love you, I, I need you in my life. You're great in my life. I prefer you in my life. But ultimately, if you weren't here, I trust that I would work through the pain of course, and then get to a place of ultimately being okay, and then still being able to create what I want. So before it was, if I don't have this love, I don't have love at all. Mm-hmm. And now it's, if I don't have this love, that will be very, 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 very painful, but I will rise again. I will create what I want again. Mm-hmm. So what about this a sort of modern dating obsession of like, you know, am I texting too much? Like, I, I'm very curious kind of what your whole, what your work has showed about all of this, because it, it's something that I realized has at moments literally driven me to the point of madness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there is such a thing as, um, I don't believe in game playing at all. Okay. Yeah. I don't, but I do think there is, we like a little bit of push pull in our yeah. relationships, right? So I think you don't want to be over texting. I, what, I tell <laughs> right. me, what, I, what I tell people is this, okay? For me, everything is about energy underneath it. So my clients will ask me all the time, like, what's the right thing to say to this guy? And I'll, always, I'll say, do not send the text if you're in a fear-based energy. Mm. Only send it if you're in love. So like a lot of my clients will say like, oh, how, what's the right thing to say? And I'll say, if if you were texting a friend, you wouldn't be thinking this way. If you thought, if you uh, found a great article, you would just text it to them. You wouldn't have all this angst. So if you feel fear, mm-hmm. don't communicate. If you feel in a place of love or like, oh, I would just love to send them this text or I'm really appreciating them or I think they would really appreciate this, then send it. So I don't think it's about actually the volume of words. I think it's right. about the energy. It's so interesting you say that because I was literally just thinking I, I wrote this piece about scarce versus abundant action as a Facebook status update. And that's literally the kind of the conclusion I came to this week was, OK, all of this really is about intention and energy like that can be felt, I think, regardless of, of what the words are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, he or she is never going to pick up the phone <laughs> and call you until you stop freaking out. Like, isn't yeah. that how it always happens? <laughs> it's energy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, that's such an interesting take on it. So, you know, I want to talk about this idea of two, two things that you mentioned that really struck me. One was, you know, attracting certain people into your life, um, which you talked about. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what does that look like? You know, how does that actually happen regardless of whether you're a man or woman? And what do you mean by dating for growth? Like, how do you define that? Yeah. So I'll tell you dating for growth first, and then we'll talk about attraction. So here's what I noticed in coaching, you know, at this point, many, many hundreds of not thousands of women, um, and in my own love life. Okay. I don't know if this is the same for men. So you can, you can tell me Srini, but, um, clients would come to me and they're like, I have to meet the one, I have to meet the one, I have to meet the one. And then every single date that they would go on, that was their parameter, right? Is he the one or not? And so what happens? You're disappointed every single time. Like there's a 99% chance of disappointment. And I work with a lot of women or I talk to a lot of women who were bitter, jaded, and 
close down. And from that place of, I hate dating, they're trying to find this magical, amazing, incredible man, and it doesn't work. So I knew I couldn't date that way because I knew if I did that, I was like, you know, 10 years, I'm going to go 10 years and be single uh, like these women and not be having a great time. So I'm a very growth oriented person. I joined a very deep esoteric spiritual school when I was 23 years old, you know, like I love growth. So what I told myself was I'm going to stop measuring every single date for, is he the one or not? Is this going to work out or not? I'm going to let go of that question. And my only question on each date is going to be, how has this date grown me? So my parameters were like, is there something about him that's growing me? Is it showing me a trigger? Is it showing me a new level of something? that I want. Like one time, um, I went out to lunch with a friend. It wasn't even a date, but I'm gluten free. And I went to this restaurant and I ordered a gluten free tartine and they brought me like regular bread. And I was just going to eat the sandwich and not say anything. And he got up from the table, walked over to the waiter and asked them to change my order. And it wasn't a date, but that one thing made me realize, God, I really want a man who would do this for me. So that's what I mean. Like looking at every single interaction as, is this growing me in the way that it's helping me claim a new standard? Is it growing me in the way that it's showing me a trigger that I need to heal? Look at at every single date for what is the potential growth and it's always there and if you find the growth you win so dating for growth has you feel like you're winning along the process rather than feeling constantly disappointed so stop asking if he's the one <laughs> basically because that will ruin your dating life hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code acast for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that applies for men as well, right? If you go into every interaction, like with this immense amount of pressure, um, mm -hmm. I, I think that in my mind, that can be felt in every interaction. And like my litmus test literally for every message I've gotten on any online dating site or any interaction I've had is, is what is this person doing to my energy? Mm -hmm. And Talk it's been an interesting filter because it's made me just kind of say like no and not call back certain people or not make another attempt to even reply to another person after one or two interactions if something feels off yeah yeah it's 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 all about the energy at the end of the day and that is how you attract in you know your perfect match so you asked about you know yeah. attracting and um i talk a lot about how do you attract in your perfect match for you you know yeah. and there's there's a lot of factors but i do believe and like one thing i recommend to my clients is you just take out a sheet of paper or a word processing document and you write i call it a i deserve and expect list mm -hmm. but it's really like every single thing you want in that person. So like when I did mine, it was like, I deserve and expect him to treat me like a goddess in a healthy way, right? I deserve and expect him to, I didn't put down little things. Like when I cook the, when I cook, I want him to offer to do the dishes, you know? And I just wrote down like every single thing that I wanted and who he was and how he showed up in the world. And then I went through that list and I got very real with myself and I highlighted which of the ones am I not embodying, you know? And I just started working systematically on those things. And I had this very clear intention to make myself into the match for the kind of guy that I wanted. So that's part of it. Like really, really looking at, are you a match? And now it doesn't have to be exact. Like a lot of clients, my clients will say, well, I want a guy who's abundant. So does that mean I have to have like a ton of money in my bank account? And I say, no, but you have to have an abundance mindset, right? So it's about being a match on that energetic level. And then I think there's this other real piece of like most of the reason why relationships don't work 
I believe, is because at the end of the day, instead of showing up as your love-based self, as your true self, as your divine self, we show up as our wounded self, our fear-based self, right? That's the only reason why relationships don't work. It's the fear-based self starts running the show more often than not, right? So to find your perfect match, you've kind of got to clear away those old patterns, those old woundings. It's like, I couldn't attract in my husband, Mike, who's so unconditionally loving when I was still carrying a deep seated belief that love equals criticism. Mm -hmm. When I had that belief, I attracted in a guy who I thought was my soulmate, but then ended up very, very, very much criticizing me. So that piece is important. It's clearing away the old wiring and the untruths that we put on top of the truth of love. So it's interesting because we've been talking primarily about your clients who are, are women. And as a guy, I'm wondering, you know, like, what is it that, you know, your clients and you want men to know about this? Mm, about, I mean, I about, think- you know, love and relationships. Like, is it is there something that men, you know, like, you know, what do you what are your expectations or what what is it that men should know about this process that they may not yeah. Well, a lot of my clients are, they have the complaint that men aren't doing as much of the work, you know, Which <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I have a lot of, I have so much compassion and love and respect for men. I really, really do because I think it's hard for you because you live in a society where it's, you're, you know, it's not okay to feel your emotions and that must be incredibly hard, you know? So I think men are amazing, sensitive, beautiful creatures. Um, but what what I hear women saying is like, why do I have to do all this work, right, to attract someone great? And and I don't think men aren't doing the work. I think maybe it just looks different. But I think um, at the end of the day, every single one of my women, and this is me included, wants to feel safe. The number one thing I hear when I ask women, what do you want in a relationship? Is I want to feel secure. But they also want to feel that dynamic attraction, Mm -hmm. passion. You know, so I think men need to understand that the primary thing a woman needs to feel is to feel safe with you. But that's different than being really, really, really nice (laughs) and accommodating. But that's what we want because women, when we feel safe with a man, we can let go. We can. And that's when I think that that real deep intimacy happens in for women in the container of safety. Mm -hmm. You know, so I want to talk about this idea of deep intimacy because you brought up something really interesting uh, about men and, and, you know, uh, being in a society where showing our emotions, I, I mean, to me, that's like to be emotionally vulnerable is, is one of the most terrifying things imaginable because I'm terrified that if I am, I'll scare somebody away because mm-hmm. it's happened once or twice. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen again. And I'm, I'm very mindful of it now, almost to a fault. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think that there are women out there who will, appreciate the emotion, right? So I know for me, uh, when I met my husband, Mike, his sister had died very recently. So, and he was her caretaker when she was dying. So he was still very emotional about that. And I remember, I think it was on our third or fourth date, he started crying about it. And I was, I had this simultaneous experience of being in my heart and being connected to him. And then I also heard this voice in the back of my head that wanted to criticize him. And I real that's when I had so much compassion for men because I realized, wow, like this voice is in my head that wants to tell me that him doing this is wrong, you know? But 
luckily, <laughs> I listened to my heart. And Mike is a very, very, very emotional man. And at first, that was confronting to me. But what I did, I remember I went to a coffee shop one time, and I wrote a poem about his emotions. And I tried to find the gold in like his emotionality. And I shared that poem yeah. with him. And now I think it's such an incredible gift to be with a man who isn't so in touch with his emotions because I'm very emotional but it helps me feel it and I just I think it's so brave so what I would tell you is don't hold back your emotion instead stand in that and then expect to find someone who appreciates you for being all of you because that person is there don't hold back okay interesting yeah so you brought up the idea of soulmates and uh, I, you know, I remember, I, I think it like on my 39th birthday post, I kind of was like, you know what? I don't believe that this exists anymore, but maybe that's because of like, I was like, okay, part of this is me being jaded. How do you define a soulmate? Like based on your work, what does that actually look like? Because I, I feel like that definition is so nebulous. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I believe in I don't believe in this concept of there's only one person out there. <laughs> that would be ludicrous. Yeah. But I, I really think that soulmate, if anything, there's just this quality of resonance. And it's deeper than do I like the qualities that they're bringing or do they match my list? It's just this, to me, a soulmate is this deep feeling of energetic resonance, this feeling of we've either, we, we've known each other before or we just... We just connect, we just relate. Um, it's an affinity that's just in the energy. That's the way that I explain it. Like when I look in Mike's eyes, I feel like I know him. Like I know the being that's inside of his eyes is the only way I can describe it. Um, doesn't mean that he's the only person that could ever make a relationship work with. No, I think there's, I think there has to be like at least five of those. <laughs> like this is an abundant universe. So yeah, I, think I would hope so. There are, there are people that, um, it's not that a relationship is necessarily easy all the time with them, yeah. but I do believe that if you're with the right match, then it's easy most of the time. And if you're doing the work, the moments of contention, the moments of fight, you use that to actually, you optimize that into bringing the two of you closer. So there's this quality of ease and resonance when you're with, you know, a quote soulmate. Yeah. You know, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about sort of the early phases of relationships, like the beginning and in sort of courtship period um, and, and kind of what your work has shown about that, what you would want both men and women to know about that. I mean, we've kind of touched on, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, the, the pressure that comes with thinking this is the one person. And I'm asking this for very personal reasons because I've just been on three dates with a girl and likely to go on a fourth with her. So it's on my mind. Yeah. So, okay. Here's the thing that women want. I'll just share with what women want from, from men. Um, women want, and the complaint that I hear all the time is men are not pursuing anymore. You know, they're not planning real dates. They're texting, you know, women will meet men online and then all of a sudden it's a month gone by and they're still texting with the guy and the guy hasn't asked them out on a date yet. You know, I'm hearing <laughs> that a lot. So women want, um, women want a man who's going to say, you know, I'd like to take you out to dinner on Saturday night. Like, you know, I picked this restaurant, like, are you free? Like making the plans, being decisive, pursuing. Yeah. That's what they, they want. And so, but here's the thing that women make, they make this mistake very often in the beginning of dating. Um, I call it, I, there's this concept that I teach called emotional leverage. And the, basically the idea is that the more 
you have positive emotion with someone, the more someone is invested in you, the more they're going to want to do for you, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of women, they come with their list of demands and wants and needs, and they start, they, they put they have a certain feeling about a man. I really like him. I'm really into him. He might be the one. And they put their feelings above his actions. So their feelings are way ahead of where his feet are walking. And they expect him to be in a certain place before they have emotional leverage with him. So like they might go on three dates with a guy and he really likes them, but he's not at the point of being willing to devote all of his entire heart and soul and mind to them. But they expect that because they want to feel safe, right? And so they start coming with this needy, demanding energy instead of sitting back and assessing where are we actually at in the relationship? Okay, I really, really, really like him, but where is his emotional opening to me right now? Does it make sense for me to be demanding a commitment in this moment or can I just enjoy the ride to getting there? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I mean, it seems like that applies to, to guys as well, right? Because you talked about being pursued, but you also talked about wanting some push-pull in the relationship because that, at least from everything I've read, seems to create some tension and mystery, which seems necessary for this to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You do need that. Or, you know, I think for men, it's like you can you can be really nice. You can be very pursuing. But there's this quality of, like with Mike, he's uh, my husband. He's super sweet and super loving. But he will stand up to me. You know, I mean, if I'm if I'm ever doing anything that um, rubs him the wrong way or if I'm, you know, acting like uh, B, <laughs> which I do rarely, I do have those moments, right? Like he will bring it up to me. He'll stand up for himself. He won't yell or be disrespectful, but he'll say, you know what? I have to share this because this is an integrity with me. And so I have a strong level of attraction to him in those moments because I'm seeing him be true to him, you know? And I think that's where sometimes women aren't attracted to men who are just like overly nice and not standing up for the truth of who they are. And I think men sometimes think I can't be the nice guy. Like that doesn't work. I've got to be an a-hole because women are attracted to that. And it's not that that women are attracted to. Women are attracted to a man who's confident, who has a backbone, who's really in integrity with who he is and who's going to pursue. I like that because it's it, it's an interesting balance. You know, it's not um, it, it it's kind of you know it, I realize it's like this very subtle balance between pursuing and having this push pull dynamic that you're talking about. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Relationships are. I mean, to me, they're the most fascinating thing on the planet because there's there's so much in there. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about one other piece of this. I know you mentioned that you're uh, a mother and we both sort of uh, it, it sounds like we had similar childhoods when it came to our parents, because I, I don't I've never I've seen my parents be physically affectionate with each other once in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, God, I'm like, I wish I could unsee that mm-hmm. uh, because of the culture <laughs> that I grew up in. It just it was so strange after 36 years to, you know, see my parents kiss for the first time. I was like, OK, wow. And I had an Indian friend when I was in eighth grade who was convinced that the only two par- times his parents had ever had sex was when his brother and him were conceived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious, as a, as a parent, um, knowing that there are a lot of parents listening to this, what would you tell them um, about relationships for their kids? Like, how would you, you know, what would you want them to know about love and relationships that they would, you know, you'd want them to pass on to their children? 
Yeah, I think I think if you are in a happy relationship, your child has to see it. So, I mean, Luke, my son, is only nine months old. But, you know, Mike and I, we kiss in front of him. We're always doing that. And it's so funny. When I was pregnant, um, anytime I would, like, really cuddle with Mike or I'd really be kissing him, that's when the baby would kick. And I just felt like, I, I don't know, this story that I made up in my mind was that he was really loving the love that we have for each other, you know? And so... So often, I think what children think is my parents are me, right? That's that's why we carry so many of their patterns on, <laughs> you know, until we clear them. It's like it, whatever our parents are doing is what we think is the right thing. So I can only speak for me. What, what my intention is, is to absolutely show Luke what loving partnership looks like. I want him to see his dad, you know, treating me well and being kind and affectionate. I want him to see me really respecting Mike for who he is as a man and a father. So I will be affectionate <laughs> with with Mike in front of, of Luke, even if it makes him kind of want to gag a little bit sometimes. Hmm. You know, the other piece I realized I didn't get to ask you about, which I wanted to, um, was this idea of healing from a loss, particularly a romantic loss. And how do you get to the point of being open again and being able to trust again after you've been hurt? Yeah, it's something it's first of all, it takes work. It's it's hard. You know, the natural tendency when we're hurt is to want to close our hearts. So I, I think it's a very, very natural reaction. Um, but something that I did when I left the, you know, emotionally abusive narcissist and um, the first thing that I did was cry like the most intense cry that I've ever cried in my entire life. I decided that I was just going to fully feel all of the feelings and I will never forget this moment. I, I remember where I was in my apartment in New York city. I cried so hard. I literally felt like my body was dissolving. It was this very weird experience, but previously I had never let myself feel all the emotions, you know, and I just let myself cry. And I, when I stopped crying, it was this weird thing. I stood up and time stood still and I couldn't hear any noise, you know, New York city, that's rare. Like there was noise, but I couldn't hear it. And I had this very real experience of feeling my heart and what I felt like was my spirit. That's the only way I can describe it. I felt like I was connected in that moment to my spirit. And I realized, Oh wow. Like I've left you for this relationship because I thought that this relationship was it. And on that day I made a pact that, you know, I call it my spirit, your essence, whatever you want to call it. I said, I'm never going to leave you again. So I'm going to learn to be with you. And then from that place be in a relationship. So I cried out all the emotion, which is step one. You've got to feel everything. That's the way out. And then step two is you've got to come to a place where you're grieving the loss of them, but you also simultaneously understand that you haven't lost your connection with you. That to me is the most important thing. So in that space where you don't feel them, you've got to feel the space with your own love, because that's probably the reason why the relationship didn't work out. Mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, I played the song by Kelly Clarkson. It's called Addicted. <laughs> I played that every single day for months and months and months. And I danced out the emotion of being in the relationship with this man. So it took me a very, very long time. Um, and, but at the same time I dated, I didn't stop myself from dating because I was dating for growth. So I went through every dating experience, looking at the men who came 
using them as a gauge to how healed I was. Cause I knew that anything that was unhealed from that relationship was going to show up in them, you know? So I carried the grief for a very long time in my heart and I honored it, but I didn't let it stop me from dating. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, this has been fascinating. I can see why, uh, Selena referred you to us as a guest. Um, so I have one last question, uh, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Mm, I think it is the most unmistakable people are the people who are really them. Like, I think that's it at the end of the day, the people who have somehow figured out how to really appreciate who they are, like really, really, really appreciate who they are. I think when you are as free as possible from those voices that tell you that you're not good enough, we all have them, they don't go away. But when you are living connected to the truth of who you are, rather than living connected to that voice in your head. I think those are the most unmistakable people. They have a palpable energy that everyone wants to be around. Amazing. Uh, where can people learn more about you and your work? Um, they can go to loveworksmethod.com. So it's L-O-V-E-W-O-R-K-S method.com. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator, that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, 
K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.